Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Jim Garrity is on vacation this week. Rob Long, the contributing editor from National Review Online, co-founder of Ricochet, host of Martini Shot, co-host of the Glop Podcast, and uh, all-around fine gentlemen filling in for Jim Garrity today and tomorrow. Rob, how are you? I'm doing very well. Happy to be here. I, 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 you made me sound so busy in that intro. I keep thinking, why do I feel like I'm not doing anything? But I, but that, that's just, those are my work habits, not yours. You don't have to worry about me. Well, maybe your full-time job is accumulating titles. So, uh, I mean, that- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Which was accumulating money, but I, yes. I guess that's what they give you instead of money, right? Exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, in honor of Rob being here, we decided we couldn't really make up our minds about which good martini to do today. So we're just going to do both and and treat the first one kind of like a little tease because Jim and I have talked a lot about the pathetic uh, PR stunt being put on by the uh, Texas state Democratic lawmakers who fled Austin so they wouldn't have to vote on a voting reform bill uh, that they, of course, consider draconian. really just kind of goes back to the way things were before the pandemic and actually expands early voting in a lot of different ways. Doesn't allow counties to set their own standards since, you know, it's a state... uh, state responsibility to do right. that but so we had the the stunts with we, we had the images with the uh the miller light on the bus uh the the posing on the plane with the with the no masks which we'll get to in just a second and uh we also had the selfies as soon as they got on the tarmac in dallas and they just happened to show up in washington right as biden was getting ready to head up to philadelphia and uh call the voting situation in this country the worst threat to our democracy since the civil war which is absurd, of course. Uh, and so this is just a naked, blatant PR stunt that uh, is now blowing up in their face to some extent because now five of them have COVID. NBC News, two more Texas Democrats who fled to Washington in an attempt to block passage of Republican-sponsored voter restrictions have tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, the State House Democratic Caucus said Sunday the number of positive cases in the State House delegation is now five. Three were reported on Saturday. State Representative Trey Martinez-Fisher uh, said in a statement Sunday he tested positive through a rapid antigen test. He had tested negative Friday and Saturday and said he was experiencing extremely mild symptoms. He was uh, only one of the two cases to come forward on Sunday. Uh, both people, though, had been fully vaccinated. And from what we can tell, uh, the symptoms for all five of these people are very mild. I think they've all been vaccinated, or the vast majority of them. So, Rob, uh, since they got COVID and they posed without masks on that private charter flight, I guess we're all going to be wearing masks uh, for the rest of our lives when we when we board airplanes. But, um, you know, if this was a uh, Republican PR stunt, uh, oh, this would be gosh. laughed at uh, on every front page in the country. Could this have gone any worse for the Democrats other than if they'd actually gotten media attention for how bad they pulled this off? Well, I mean, it adds to all the confusion and the murkiness of the of the COVID sort of, I don't know what we're going to call it, the COVID uh, era that we're living through and I, I thought we were ending and we're not what, what i love is that every single one of these democrats in, te- in the texas house uh, was complaining and complained bitterly for the past year year and a half in incredible terms about how terrible the governor is how lax their covid uh, standards are how texas was going to be a uh, you know charnel house essentially for, for covid deaths um, and we just need to be take all take these precautions. And then, you know, when push comes to shove, they get on an airplane. Look, if that had been a picture and you'd said, show that picture of all those guys in an airplane without a mask, said, who's there? They would have said, oh, they're going to a MAGA rally. They must be going to a Trump, you know, all without wearing masks. But because they were Texas Democrats fleeing uh, their 
their job, essentially, they're, they're the requirements, the very small, by the way, requirements of their job, they uh, they were lauded. I love the idea that they well, they did meet with Kamala Harris, and someone said, "Well, do you think that you got you know should Kamala Harris be tested?" And then uh, a spokesman for the vice president said, "Well, she never got too close to that," which I think is um, a metaphor. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Don't get too close to Texas Democrats. That's a good political instinct right there. Yeah, she doesn't have many, so that one actually works out pretty well. So uh, that was so you only, yeah, this is a good one to have for this one instance. <laughs> but I mean, again, it, that also adds to this because they were vaccinated. So what are you telling me? My, my vaccine isn't effective. When did, when did they get that? All the thing, every every piece of news adds to confusion, not to clarity in the COVID issue, and no one seems to be reporting on that. Like, wh- what vaccine did they get? When did they get it? Why didn't it work? Well, maybe. Um, all these things are sort of interesting, but nobody will talk about it. Well, I think that's been one of the misleading things is that the uh, vaccine prevents you from getting it and it may improve your odds of not getting it. But mainly it just makes it pretty mild or milder than it would have been uh, if you had not been vaccinated. And so it, it makes me wonder uh, with all these Olympic athletes that have been vaccinated and now some of them are turning up with positive COVID tests and they're not allowed to go now. Uh, and it's not much more than, a, than, you know, very mild symptoms. Should they still be allowed to go? I don't know. I mean, the protocol's in place. They obviously can't go. That that decision's been made. But uh, I'm just wondering if uh, very mild symptoms is going to disrupt society for a long time to come here. It certainly seems like we are uh, completely unprepared to deal with any level of risk at any point at this uh, as we sort of enter uh, the second half of 2021. So I'm, I'm, unfortunately, I feel that you're correct, that uh, the world is going to be laid low, not by some you know zombie apocalypse or alien invasion, by a case of the sniffles. Exactly. I was hoping one of the good things that would come out of this is that people who are deathly ill wouldn't try to, you know, soldier their way into the office and uh, and possibly infect the rest of the people around them. But if, you know, they've got a, a small cough or a, a slight sniffle, I mean, uh, we can't shut down society forever because that, that's always going to happen. But uh, yeah. Anyway, anyway. Well, again, you can never go broke inventing new ways for people to get out of work. So um, <laughs> this is definitely a good way of like, there will be a lot of people calling in saying, you know, just out of out of an abundance of caution, because I love my coworkers so much, I'm going to stay home for the next week. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it's that's the, really the selfless approach. Uh, but let's yeah. let's let's do our, uh, our our second good martini here, uh, and, and this one relates to China, which of course is where the virus came from in the first place. But uh, this is a different type of uh, China threat. Uh, Reuters with this version of the story. The United States and its allies accused China on Monday of a global cyber espionage campaign, mustering an unusually broad coalition of countries to publicly call out Beijing for hacking. The United States was joined by NATO, the European Union, Britain, Australia, Japan, New Zealand, and Canada in condemning the spying, which U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said posed, quote, a major threat to our economic and national security. Simultaneously, the U.S. Department of Justice charged four Chinese nationals, three security officials, and one contract hacker with uh, targeting dozens of companies, universities, and government agencies in the United States and abroad. The Chinese embassy in Washington did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Um, So, Rob, this is good. Uh, For some reason, people have been treating China with kid gloves, but it feels like we've reached a turning point here with uh, the Biden administration publicly calling for an investigation into whether uh, COVID-19 was the result of a lab leak, unintentional 
it may have been, but uh, nonetheless, it's uh, very different than the narrative the Chinese, through the World Health Organization and through their own mouths, uh, have said over time. And now they're calling out the Chinese for hacking, which should happen. The question is, how far is Biden ready to go here to really uh, turn the screws on the Chinese? Because, uh, you know, he's been pretty soft on them in the past. Well, you know, yes. And I think actually we all have. I mean, to be quite honest, what we, 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 we've been screaming and yelling for a while. Uh, through multiple administrations and doing nothing. And, and the result is that China has certainly won the first round, if not the second round. And we sort of have to accept that. Any kind of subtle incrementalism where you know all those countries got together and signed a paper saying, bad China, and there were absolutely zero consequences for China. In the same way that I'm 100% certain that if it turns out, as you and I probably, let's be honest, COVID-19 escaped from a Wuhan lab probably by accident, but that's where it came from, and China lied about it. Even if that is proved, lock, stock, and barrel, absolutely case closed, there will be no repercussions. Our problem is that we keep thinking that we're in the beginning stages of this conflict. We're absolutely in the middle middle stages, and China is winning. They are two touchdowns ahead at the half. Um, and so if we're ever going to have any kind of the, the, these these sort of communiques and, and you know bold statements and investigations and all that stuff does nothing. Um China has essentially uh, taken over Hong Kong. They've broken their pact. They've broken their word with Hong Kong. And we've done nothing, absolutely nothing. They've imprisoned American allies. They've imprisoned uh, free thinkers. They are a rogue state. And if we continually just sort of come up with we little statements of incrementalism, thinking, well, eventually we'll get back to the drawing room, the drawing table, none of that's going to work. They, they are ahead. And we are behind. And so we need to be much more aggressive, like any, in any game, in any sport. If we're going to win this, we have to be a lot more aggressive than we're being from the beginning, not the sort of incremental um, make nice approach and, and threats uh, for a hypothetical future set of punishments and sanctions, which the Chinese know correctly will never happen. Um, so I'm pessimistic about this one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard uh, in a number of different ways because – you know, our system is obviously exponentially better than, than the Chinese system, but because they don't have to worry about who's going to win the next election, they can set this decades-long, century-long agenda uh, where they're investing in all these different countries around the world. They're buying up ports. They're basically right. making other nations on many different continents beholden to them and to do their bidding, which is the whole point of all this development. And so... We think in four-year election cycles or two-year election cycles, and then uh, and then it's hard to uh, have a coherent policy towards them. But obviously, our system is better. Uh, but the, the question now is uh, whether we will have an effective uh, counter strategy to them, because uh, like you said, with all the different things, all the different violations, the genocide against the Uyghurs, the repression of Christians and other religious minorities, anybody of faith there, uh, the lab situation, the COVID lying, all of this stuff, not to mention the hacking, uh, we're going to have to have a coherent uh, strategy here. And I'm not sure we've got one yet. But I think my favorite part of that story, Rob, was when it said the EU and Britain, which means that, of course, Britain's <laughs> yeah. not part of the EU anymore. So, all right. That was, a, that was a, believe me, there were a lot of people in Britain who liked seeing that sentence, too. <laughs> exactly. All right, Rob, after those two delicious martinis, uh, you might want to just make sure there's not uh, too much sugar uh, on your teeth. So it's time to take care of your oral health. And that's where Quip comes in. And now 
they've got the last step to really fill out your oral care routine, and that is their mouthwash. Because a lot of times you, you, you take that mouthwash with the alcohol content, and it basically makes your eyeballs pop out of your head. Well, you can get a great clean without that much intensity, and that's where Quip comes in. Because you know you, you know about their other great products, but they've also launched a new mouthwash to help you complete your cleaning process. Plus, it comes in a refillable dispenser that's delightful to use and sleek enough to fit on any bathroom counter. Uh, once you put it in there, you mix the uh, mouthwash with just a little bit of water, and then uh, you, you, you put it together, and you one pump, it fills it up, you dump it into your cup, you rinse, it's that simple. And so you've got the brush, you got the floss, you got the, the mouthwash now, and your oral care routine is complete. And I think you got to talk about the dispenser a little bit because the, the, the mouthwash that I've been using before I got this you know, it sits on the counter and it gets kind of weird and crusty around the, I mean, it's, you, you can't really think that it's nice to put in your mouth. This actually looks good. So you kind of feel like, I kind of feel like I'm in a movie when I use it. Like, oh boy, this is like a, this is like fancy mouthwash, but it's, it's incredibly good, incredibly effective. It kills bad breath germs, prevents cavities, leaves you feeling fresh. Thanks to a formula that gives your mouth everything it needs and nothing it doesn't like alcohol. They're four times concentrated fluoride, xylitol, and CPC. But they left out artificial colors and that alcohol, which just dries your mouth and makes your teeth stink. With a customized subscription, you can get refills automatically del delivered straight to your door every three months, like the regular Quip products. And you can stay on top of your Swish without lugging any bottles from the store, which is what I love the most about the entire Quip family of products. And if you go to getquip.com slash martini5, the number five, right now you can get $5 off a mouthwash starter kit. That's $5 off a mouthwash starter kit, which includes the refillable dispenser and a 90-dose supply of Quip's uh, four times concentrated formula at getquip.com slash martini5, M-A-R-T-I-N-I-5. That's spelled getquip, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash M-A-R-T-I-N-I and the number five. Quip is the Good Habits Company. All right, Rob, let's talk about free speech while we still can. Uh, the, uh, the Biden administration, mainly from the White House press secretary's podium last week, with some uh, rather disturbing things. First of all, Politico had a story, this was not from the podium, that said there was uh, consideration in the White House of having quote-unquote fact-checkers interrupt text messaging threads between people as well as social media threads uh, and then just kind of chiming in, correcting misinformation because everyone's going to love that. Then on, on Thursday, uh, Jen Psaki said this about uh, what the uh, administration is doing in terms of telling Facebook about posts it doesn't like. In terms of actions, Alex, that uh, we have taken or we're working to take, I should say, from the federal government, uh, we've increased uh, disinformation research and tracking uh, within the Surgeon General's office. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook uh, that spread disinformation. We're working with doctors and medical professionals to connect uh, to connected medical experts with popular with popular who are popular with their audiences with uh, with accurate information and boost trusted content. So we're helping get trusted content out there. And now Jen Psaki has ideas about what should happen to people who get banned on one platform. Providing uh, for, for Facebook or other platforms to measure and publicly share the impact of misinformation on their platform uh, and the audience it's reaching. Uh, also with the public, with all of you, um, to create robust enforcement strategies that bridge their properties and provide transparency about rules. You shouldn't be banned from one platform and not others uh, if you are for uh, uh, providing misinformation out there. 
you shouldn't be able to be banned from one platform and not the others. So, you know, the big argument is these are private companies, Rob. They can do whatever right. they want. And now all of a sudden, Jen Psaki, I'm sure, with the full authorization of the administration, is seeming to give pretty specific uh, guidance uh, to these uh, different companies. And so what do you make of not only her suggestions, but the idea that it's all due to misinformation, which can obviously be interpreted in a lot of different ways? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, just from our first story, is it misinformation for me to say that even if you're vaccinated, you're still going to get COVID? I mean, apparently the, that that is true, except that if I, I guarantee you if I said that on a Facebook post, it would be corrected because, of course, the, the rule is everyone has to get vaccinated. But we know that if you get vaccinated, you might still get COVID. So th- there is all, there are all sorts of these like weird uh, d- double, triple quadruple levels of censorship going on. And I guess I would feel better if I thought that Jen Psaki knew anything about these networks. She, she keeps saying we should be banned from one and banned from all of them. Does that include, oh, I don't know. I mean, everything has a social component now. Does that include Netflix? Does that include Venmo, which has a social component? Uh, does that include LinkedIn? I mean, these things are get really complicated and muddy, and they haven't thought them through. They're just simply using the bat. But, but one thing I think that's bizarrely and sort of terrifyingly consistent, depending on what side you're on. Jen Psaki essentially agrees with the lawyers who are bringing suit uh, for Donald Trump against those platforms in that those platforms should be regulated and should be treated as quasi-government entities. Um, That is the essence of his suit. That is the essence of what she's saying, is that it doesn't matter whether they're private. They are essentially public. They're essentially public utilities, and they should be regulated. I think that should terrify everybody. I mean, especially the people who run these platforms, because part of the fun of them is this sheer crazy nonsense you read on Twitter. I mean, that's got to be part of what we do on Twitter is we hate read and hate scroll. <laughs> uh, and it, that's their product. What if we if we stop doing that, if it just becomes this endless PSA, good Lord, we're going to have lower ratings than NPR. Uh, true. And Rob, have you ever had your mind changed by a meme. I mean, somebody may have linked to a story that yeah. you found compelling on a given subject, but uh, we keep hearing about how memes or just rants uh, are really convincing people not to do the I intelligent know. thing. But uh, has that been your experience where you're like, I'm totally going to do this? Oh, Phil665331 says this right. is a terrible idea. So obviously I can't do that anymore. Yeah, Phil in Seattle makes an interesting point. Yeah, none of that. I mean, no one's ever convinced anyone. These are all sort of crazy expressions of rage or um, passive aggressiveness or I don't know what they are, uh, which is one of the reasons why they're kind of fun sometimes to read two people just going at it on Twitter because it's just you're just kind of watching it. It's like you're watching an ant colony, you know, that's like two ants fighting over a crumb. Uh, But I'm I'm not entirely certain that this is going to end well for the companies because the truth is that is their product. And if the uh, authorities have joined together to say, no, 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 you can't do this anymore, then it's going to cut into their naturally cut into what the, the fun of the product. Be. Why why go to Twitter if it's not to see uh, people get angry at each other over the use of a certain pronoun or verb? <laughs> well, and I'm wondering if that's why Facebook pushed back as hard as it did when Biden said that it was killing people. I mean, that's not that in itself. When the president says that is probably not good for your brand. But uh, I'm wondering if they just watched this incrementalism at the White House last week and, and they're saying, 
you know, we're friendly with you guys, but I'm not sure I want to be taking right. orders from you guys. And so hopefully that was part of it. And, and, and then there won't be this uh, collusion, for lack of a better word. But uh, I, I think we will see. Because <laughs> well, I did I like think, that statement. Yeah. That statement was hilarious because it was basically what it was like, hey, we're on your side. We were doing what you're telling us to do. Like <laughs> it was like it was sort of classic, you know, you know uh, progressive left eating its own. It's like, hey, what are, we're your friends. Why are you attacking us? And, I, you know, poor Biden, he's, you know, his grandpa doesn't really know what Facebook, he doesn't really know what any of these things do. So um, he's completely lost. And Jen Psaki thinks that, you know, only certain platforms are social and not everything is social. So, um, you know, these people are in for a, a, a rude awakening. What's surprising to me is just they've been there for a long time. These are issues that have been coming up and coming up. And you'd think they would have a better footing and grounding in what exactly is happening online. And they, they just simply... Yeah. And I just wonder what's going to be construed as misinformation once we get closer yeah. to an election, because I mean, we all saw what happened with uh, social media clamping down on the New York Post when the uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story came out. And all of a sudden right. that was Russian disinformation. And then long after the election, oh, no, turns out it was his. Never mind. Anyway, on to the next thing. But, uh, yeah, that, that could be very, very dangerous for free speech. I don't think anyone is going to be surprised by what is termed misinformation and what is not. Um, I suspect that pretty much you and I <laughs> will be misinformation, and um, <laughs> I could name some other people who would definitely not be. Yes. Well, yeah. Whatever is harmful towards the uh, the current administration's narrative is going to be misinformation, is what uh, I fear and a lot of other people fear on this. But uh, no, I agree. Anyway, let's relax. And if you're going to relax, you need some. Uh, quality tools to do that. And one of those is the MyPillow towel set. And MyPillow uh, puts out great products. The pillows are fantastic. It's my favorite pillow. I've been talking about uh, the Giza Dream Sheets a lot in the last couple of weeks. But the towel set is also phenomenal. And now we got a great uh, a deal on it. Nothing beats the feel of a luxurious towel, especially when you step out of the shower. Wrap yourself in nothing but the best with the MyPillow towel set. And there's a current offer, as you mentioned. You can get the six-piece towel set, which is regularly about $100, $109 for only $39. That's a six-piece towel set. So each set is two bath towels, two hand towels, a washcloth two-pack. They are made from proprietary technology that makes them highly absorbent. They're soft to the touch without that lotion-y feel. And they're made with cotton grown in the United States of America. They're available in a variety of colors and sizes. They are, of course, machine washable. You get a 60-day money-back guarantee, one-year limited warranty, which is pretty amazing for a towel. Yeah, certainly is. I love my uh, my pillow towels, and uh, just like the sheets I said last week, uh, as soon as uh, you throw one in the wash, you put another one out there. They're that good. You don't want to be without them. So visit MyPillow.com. Use the promo code MARTINI at checkout or call 800-874-0104. The MyPillow six-piece towel set, now only $39.99. It's a huge savings of $70. While you're there, take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets and the MyPillow Premium Pillows. MyPillow.com or call 800-874-0104. Well, as long as we're talking about the speech police, Rob, let's uh, let's talk about it in a different way. Uh, it's, you know, the words you can't use anymore because they're offensive. Uh, you mentioned pronouns in passing, and now uh, we have issues about how different animals are named uh, just this summer. Actually, back in April, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service changed the name of Asian carp 
to invasive carp because the word Asian was off-putting. Uh, a, a person from uh, an Asian business delegation got off the uh, plane in Minneapolis and saw a sign about killing Asian carp and was horrified. And so Minnesota legislators uh, decided to uh, change the name in its own agency. And now at the federal level, it's no longer the Asian carp. But we're not done yet. Uh, this is the uh, Associated Press. Quote, we wanted to move away from any terms that cast Asian culture and people in a negative light, said Charlie Woolley, director of its Great Lakes Regional Office. The Asian Carp Regional Coordinating Committee, representing agencies in the U.S. and Canada, are trying to contain the carp, and they will change the name officially come August 2nd. The move comes, Rob, as other wildlife organizations consider revising names that some consider offensive. Boy, that phrase is really getting to grind on me. Some consider offensive, including the Entomological Society of America, which this month dropped Gypsy Moth and Gypsy Ant from its insect list. Apparently, the Gypsy Lobby, Rob, is much stronger than we realized. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm surprised that you were surprised. I've been told that you can't say I was gypped out of this or gypped out of that. Um, uh, And they're supposed to say Romany, I think, or something like one of those. You're You're not allowed to say Gypsy. And you're not allowed to say you gypped me. And you're also not allowed to say, I think you're not allowed to say welched. You know, you welched on a bet. It's a negative to Welsh people. I mean, <laughs> but can you remember? I mean, I don't know how old you are. But like, I remember that uh, in the early 70s, you could go and buy books called, you know, 101 or all the best Polish jokes. And there was a book and you could flip it over and, and all the best Italian jokes. And they were just this giant paperback book filled <laughs> with what would now be incendiary anti-ethnic slurs, but at the time, not that long ago, were hilarious jokes that you could hear on television. Um, so um, eventually, I think we're all going to be suing each other and we're not be allowed to say a thing, which actually wouldn't be a bad thing. We're all silent for a couple of years, but it is, it, it's remarkable the level of um, vigilance that people have about Ancient lang- ancient language tropes. I mean, I, uh, uh, what's next? Canadian bacon? You can't say Canadian bacon? <laughs> Just, you have to say round, muffin-shaped <laughs> pork? I don't know. Uh, Freedom Fries. We had that uh, covered a couple decades ago because yeah. we can't call them French right, fries right. anymore. But, uh, yeah, I mean, eventually we're not going to be able to get anything done because we're going to spend so much time thinking about how to phrase every single sentence because someone – might be offended. I love that someone. We got to change our entire lexicon because someone might be offended. So, uh, you right. know, what a world. Yeah, right now with all those words, if you if you use them, um, it's sort of a Mexican standoff. Oh wait, I'm not allowed to say that. <laughs> oh man. Oh, man. It was so much more fun back then. And, you know, you and I have talked about this before because we talked about comedy at one point. You know, you grew up with, in the town I did anyway, with different ethnicities. These things were flying. We were all still friends. We're still friends now. uh, You know, it's just, I don't know who's the one who's allegedly getting offended here. But as long as you really don't uh, carry much malice, which uh, most people I don't think do, uh, you know, it's just part of uh, guys ribbing each other. But um, anyway... And and the truth is, I mean, the the only optimistic note here is that people still do it, that we all have a private language now, a a private language we do with people at our table, people in our circle. You can see you can can go to any restaurant in America at dinner time and you look at any table and certainly definitely mixed tables, mixed race tables. And you can see at some point everyone will kind of lean in 
while someone is saying something and then they'll lean back and explode in laughter and you know that person just told something, a joke that would be considered absolutely unacceptable in public and the reason they leaned in because they didn't want to be overheard by somebody under the table but that is exactly how we live our lives that is and we do not live our lives like anything around the fish and wildlife uh, uh, administration banning the use of asian carp trust me they're still going to call it asian carp and um uh, at some point ordinary ordinary people who have been living as you put it can live together happily and still make jokes are going to have to take back that language you know, instead of renaming CARP, what you might want to do with the left kind of going uh, around the side and trying to get in front of the, um, uh, you know, protect Asian Americans uh, parade, because for the most part, the Asians have been the ones they've been discriminating against, especially with admissions. Right. And so we've got one of the top high schools in the country right out here in Northern Virginia called Thomas Jefferson Science and Tech. And of course, now with the new equity program, they want a more uh, balanced uh, student body there because it's uh, very difficult to get in. And uh, historically, especially in the last couple of decades, uh, the predominant nationality is there is Asian students, but there's not going to be as many now because we have to have equity. And you see that at college admissions as well. I would think Asian families would be more interested in meritocracy on that front than what we call CARP. You know what? I didn't hear anything you just said. My brain exploded when you said there was a school named Thomas Jefferson High School. That's got to go. First thing, before we can have this conversation, they got to change that name. Don't give them any ideas. They probably already, they probably already have it. They, uh, I guarantee you there's a committee. I'm sure there is. They've renamed a bunch of stuff around here. So I'm sure uh, that will make uh, everybody get along from now on. Uh, so, Rob, uh, always good to be with you. We'll do it again tomorrow. See you then. Yeah, look forward to it. See you, tonight. See you tomorrow. Rob Long, contributing editor, National Review Online, uh, co-host of the Glop Podcast, host of the Martini Shot, a co-founder of Ricochet, and uh, filling in for Jim Garrity, who is on vacation this week. And so I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Also, uh, tell your friends about us. Uh, we're very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Uh, you can get us on your home devices. Uh, all you have to say is play 3 Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Rob is at RCBL. Jim is at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Monday, and please join us again on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. We are living in difficult times where people fear having thought-provoking conversations about pressing issues. And although we're in the midst of an information explosion, there are a lot of forces aiming to distort what's true. I created The Bill Walton Show to provide a forum for in-depth, thought-provoking conversations with leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. Please join me at thebillwaltonshow.com to explore what's true, what's right, and what's next.